anybody remember what we were talking about the last time I spoke? Wisdom. Wisdom. So let's get started on it. I told them to turn off the cameras, though, because I didn't want them, so you won't see my, uh, have to look at my face up there on the screen today. So I didn't want it to surge into our cameras. Don't y'all think that's a good idea? So uh, we turned all the cameras off, so y'all just have to look at me up here, and if you can't see me, well, move up closer. I like it that way anyway. So uh, here we go. Wisdom. We talked about, to start with, the spirit of wisdom. And we talked about the spirit of wisdom giving you the wisdom to do jobs, to do all the sorts of things that you needed to do. I think there's tapes out there, and I'll give you a good report. We're about to get some of our own duplication stuff here so that after services, yes, you'll be able to get the tapes and stuff. So we're working on it right now. And then we talked about two kinds of wisdom. Does anybody remember that? What kinds are there? Godly and devilish. So let's read about those just a little bit. James 3, 13. Who is a wise man, this is King James, and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Verse 14. But if any of you have bitter ending and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, what? Descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where ending and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. But God, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now the Amplified says this. We're not going to review everything, but we need to remember what devilish wisdom is and what godly wisdom is. How many of you didn't get in on any of the wisdom part that we taught a couple of times? Raise your hand real high so I can see. See, so there's several people that don't know the difference. So here you go. The Amplified says, Who is there among you who is wise and intelligent? Let them by uh, his noble living show forth his good works with unobtrusive humility which is the proper attribute of true wisdom. Verse 14, now here you go. Pay real close attention to this and recognize yourself. Don't think about your spouse or your kids or your boss or your pastor or your neighbor or your former pastor or your uh, former boss or your uh, sister or your brother or your mom or your dad. Put the shine, the spotlight, if you can, or you, or you understand what I'm saying, just, just right on yourself for just a minute. Okay, on this next verse. If you have bitter jealousy or envy or contention or rivalry or self-ambition in your hearts, do not pride yourself on this and thus be in defiance of and false to the truth. This superficial wisdom, superficial wisdom is not... Such that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, animal, even devilish. So how many of you want that wisdom? It's dark in here, but I think I can still see. I don't think there's one hand. Nobody wants that, right? Okay, so let's read what we do want. Okay? 
for where there is jealousy and envy and contention and rivalry and selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of vile practices. But we want the pure, the peaceable, the gentle, the easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality. Right? Say, that's me. That's me. Say it again real loud. That's me. That's me. That's the kind of wisdom I want. Say it. That's the kind of wisdom I want. Right? Okay. So that's what we talked about. Devilish wisdom and godly wisdom. Then we went on to tell what wisdom does. It considers the end result. It'll help you be a good leader. And it's a witness to the world. Now Rob's getting up. As you can see him, he's going out to check your vehicles now. See him? Do you know what I'm talking about? Huh? How many of you cleaned your vehicles? Oh, now you remember. How many of you cleaned your houses? I'm just kidding. He's not going to check your vehicles. He's going to check the air conditioning and check the electrical. But you understand what I'm talking about. Okay? Because I told you to clean up your stuff because we were a witness to the world. Remember? So how many of you actually did it? Went home that day. I had somebody tell me now after the service that day, they said, now, Mrs. Moore, we can't decide right now if we're supposed to clean our house or our car or our garage or ourselves. What are we supposed to clean first? I said, be led. Be led, you know. But we are a witness, so we talked about that. But today I wanted to get into something else. You say, yeah, Mrs. Moore, you've been talking about all that wisdom stuff. Okay, we like it, but... How do we get it? Right? So you want to know how to get it? Are you ready? All right. Let's start today with Psalm 111.10. And we're just going to read the very first part of the verse in King James. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. Now put it up in the Amplified, please. The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, if you don't acknowledge the Lord and worship the Lord, there is no place to even begin to acknowledge there is such a thing as wisdom or that it's going to come to you. Because where's it going to come from? Right? If you don't acknowledge that there is a God that can give you wisdom... Where are you going to get this wisdom from? Right? It's not just going to come out of the air. It's not just going to come out of this wooden pulpit here. It's not going to come out of this carpet. It's not going to come out of that chair. There has to be a source for this wisdom to come from. So you have to acknowledge that there is a greater power that is smarter than you. And knows the end from the beginning. So the beginning to even acknowledging about wisdom is acknowledging the reverential fear or worship of the Lord. How many of you in here would not have come to church today if you didn't believe in God? You wouldn't have come. So the fact that you're here, you acknowledge there is a God and that he can give you wisdom. So you've already got to the beginning stages. 
It's the world out there that does not acknowledge that there's a God. They could never have wisdom because they don't even acknowledge the one that it comes from. The only kind of wisdom they can have is devilish wisdom because they can't go, oh, God, help me. What are you saying when you say that? You know you don't know the answer, but you know somebody that does. Right? Because you know this little thing up here, this gray matter thing up here doesn't have all the answers. But there is someone that does have all the answers. He has every answer that you'll ever need. He knows what you're going through. He's been through it. He knows the answer to it. He sees the end from the beginning. And he knows how to get you through whatever you're going through. He knows what revelation you need. He knows where to get the money from. He knows how to get your spouse to act right. He knows how to get your kids to act right. He knows how to help you deal with your boss that's mean. He knows how to get your parents to do good. He knows how to get you well. He knows knows everything. He knows it all. There is nothing he doesn't know. Wouldn't you like to sometimes, when you're going through a major, major, major problem in your life, just, you know, how you can. Sometimes you can go to people and you can just go and you can just get in there and you got an issue going on and you got somebody that you, and you just sit down and you just pull up your chair and you just say, tell me about it. Tell me what to do. Wouldn't you just like to be able to do that to the Lord? How many of you would just like to sit down this afternoon, Sunday afternoon in your rocking chair and say, Lord, tell me what to do. Help me fix this. I got it in a mess. Help me fix it. Now for the rest of you. How many of you would like to sit down this afternoon and talk to the Lord and Him tell you how to fix all the messes you got yourself into? I know I would. Or tell me how to pay my bills or tell me how to uh, lose weight or tell me how... I mean, He knows everything. He knows how to help you fix your hair. Do you know that? He knows what clothes look best on you. He knows, ladies, what color makeup and what kind of makeup looks best on you. Did you know that? Guys, he knows how to make your wife smile. He does. He has all the answers. There's nothing he doesn't know. But where's the problem? We don't know it. That's the problem. We need some of that wisdom. Would you say I could take some of that wisdom? Okay, is there anything that you'd like to have an answer on right now? Anybody in here got something that they'd like to just say, God, tell me why. Tell me how. Show me. You got it? You thinking of something? Good. All right, good. All right. Turn with me then, if you would, to James 1, 5. It says, oh, you're going to like this verse. If any of you, what? Lack Lack wisdom. Let him ask of God. 
that gives to all men. Now, that means women too. To all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. It shall be given him or her. Let me read it to you from some other translations. I think you'll like it better. Amplified says, If any of you is deficient in William in wisdom, let him ask of God, of a giving God. Wait, of a what? Giving God. God who gives to everyone, now that gets the women included, liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault-finding. In other words, leave that up there just a minute. In other words, you need wisdom from God. And you major, major screwed up this morning about something. And you really, really messed it up. But you need God's wisdom how to get out of it. He's not going to come to you and say, you the one that messed it up, buddy. It's your bed laying it. (laughs) He's not going to say that. He's not going to say, you're a big mess up. You did it. Fix it yourself. You left me. You didn't ask me for wisdom. You did this. Straighten it out yourself. He's never going to say that to you. He said if you would come to him and you're deficient in how to fix your mess, you go to him, he's going to give it to you ungrudgingly. In other words, he's not going to hold it back. Have you ever given somebody something grudgingly? You gave it to him, but you didn't really want to. Okay, I'm the only one that's done that. (laughs) Right? Without reproaching or fault-finding. Have you ever seen somebody that's got something from God and you thought, Now, God, I've been serving you longer than them. Why did you give that to them? They're mean as the devil. (laughs) But you gave it to them. Could it be all they did was ask and you didn't? Just as simple as that? Because that's what it says. They went to God and they asked and he didn't say, Junior, you blew it. You spent that money where you shouldn't have spent it. Now you got this bill coming up and you need money? Tough. You should have thought about that when you spent that money on that boat you shouldn't have bought. Now you got your house payment and it's going to be late? Tough. He didn't say he would say that. What did he say he would say? He'll give you wisdom on how to get your house payment paid even though you messed it up. Now that's a good giving God, isn't it? He's not even going to bring up what you did wrong. Now look at it, if you would with me, in the New Living. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Now, what does generous mean? Not just giving, abundant giving, lots of giving. You can ask him for wisdom now, and in five minutes later, you can ask him again. And in five minutes later, you can ask him again. And in five minutes later, you can ask him again because he's generous. He don't care. He'll give it to you. Here. Okay. You need some more? Okay. Here. You need some more? Okay. Here. You need some more? Okay. I'm generous. So what? Here. 
You need some more? I'll give it to you again. Okay, I'm generous. I'll give it to you again. You need some more? Okay, here it is. I'll give it to you again. That's what generous is. Generous, when you think of generous, don't you think of somebody that just continuously is giving and giving and giving and giving because they're what? Generous. Okay? Our generous God, he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Now that's plain, right? Okay, keep going with it. But when you ask him, now listen to this very carefully. Be sure that you're in faith. That your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Keep going. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Keep going. Their loyalty is divided between God and what? The world. The world. They're unstable in everything they do. Keep going. Believers who are poor have something to boast about. For God has honored them. Just a second. I've got a different translation up here. Let's see. It's not saying what I want it to say. Um, let me read it from this one. I don't know. I may have put down a different one. And y'all try to see if you can find it. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you. This may be the message. He will not resent your asking. But when you ask him, be sure you really expect him to answer you. When you ask him, be sure you really expect him to answer you. Now, have you ever asked somebody a question? Now, ladies, I'm going to ask you this. Guys, put your fingers in your ears. About four of them did it. Um, Have you ever asked your husband a question and he's watching TV? Do you know what I am about to say? Is it just exactly like you didn't ask a question at all? Like he didn't hear you at all? Like you had just assumed not asked the question at all? Right? Like you were talking to someone who wasn't there? Raise your hand. It is an absolute fact. That guys have had a tendency, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to put all the guys in the same boat, but a lot of guys, when they are watching TV, especially if it's something they're really, really interested in, you can ask them a question and they do not even know you exist. Right? Okay. So that's what I'm talking about with God. You didn't really expect him to answer, did you? Huh? 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 You hoped he would, but you knew he wasn't going to. You hoped he would. But what we have to do when we ask God a question is we have to know that he is going to answer us. We have to expect him to answer. 
And what happens is when we ask God a question, so many times we are not expecting an answer. And the other problem with that is you got to expect an answer that you don't want. You can't just expect the answer that you do want. Let me read it to you again. If, if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him. And He will gladly tell you. How many of you want to know what God wants you to do in a situation? Ask Him. And He will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that you really expect Him to answer. For a double-minded man is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. They can't make up their minds. They waver back and forth in everything that they do. Say, that's not me. When we ask God for something, we should instantly expect the answer. And start looking for the answer. Now, when you expect something, what does that mean? Okay, say like, how many of you have ever expected company to come to your house? What do you do? You prepare. But then say it's getting close to time. Say it's like five minutes before that they're supposed to arrive. And you hear something pulling up in the driveway. What do you do? You go to looking out the window. You go to hearing. You go to listening. Why? You're expecting something. I remember one time Keith and I were believing for a certain sum of money. And every time the phone rang, every time somebody came up, because we need it by this certain time, every time a person said something, every time... uh, a neighbor came up or a friend came up or somebody walked up to us, it was like, this could be it. This could be it. This could be it. This phone call. This person. What is that doing? You're hyped up on your expector. Well, that's the way you have to be on your answer or your wisdom or what you're looking for from God. You have to be expecting him to tell you what you need to know. You have to be expecting to get the answer that you're looking for. Now, the only problem with that is, again, it could be you're looking for a yes and he gave you a no. no. And you didn't want to hear that, so you were like the husband watching (laughs) the TV because you didn't want to hear it. So you just tuned it totally and completely out when the answer was already there. Now, there's some things that I want us to get into today, and I want to talk about them real clearly. Uh, Let's see how many of you recognize scenarios as we go along. Last night, I mean, I've studied on this all week long, off and on, And I could never get really clear about exactly the way that I wanted to present this. And then this morning at 4 o'clock, I woke up suddenly, and the Lord totally changed the direction of it. And I realized something. Wisdom doesn't come 
And I started thinking about my own self, how I've always gotten answers and how the Lord has helped me to get things and how he's really shown me things and stuff. And, and I thought, God, that is so good. I just love it when he gives me revelation about stuff. Because as I was laying there, I thought about this. When Jesus was on the earth, the disciples could just go to Jesus and what? Ask him. If they needed any answer about anything, they would go to Jesus and they would walk up to Jesus and they would say, okay, Jesus, explain this parable to us. And what would Jesus do? Explain it to them. And they had their answer. Now, who did Jesus represent? The Father God. He said, I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it. So I had all these notes last night. See them all? I mean, I had worked on this and worked on this and worked on this. Because I said, Lord, we are lacking in wisdom. We're lacking in it. We as the body of Christ are lacking in wisdom. And we shouldn't be. Because if the disciples could walk up to Jesus and ask him a question and they get their answers, we should not be deficient in what they had. We are supposed to have better. Because Jesus said, I won't, in John, he said, I'm not going to, in John 14, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you somebody better. Better. And why is this person better? Because he lives inside of you. He is with you. You can go to him any time of the day, any time of the night. You don't have to even hunt Jesus down. You can just look inside of you for this wisdom. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of each and every person that's in here. And he's got the answer for you. And I was thinking about this. And last night, Keith, and I didn't even, it, it kind of, two things connected with me. Last night I was talking on the phone to Keith, and he asked me a question about something a, a week or two ago, and I happened to run across it yesterday, and, and he said, you were right again. And I thought, I wasn't right. The Holy Ghost told me that. And I said, he is so smart. He always makes me look good. <laughs> now, you're laughing, but that was my revelation at 4 o'clock this morning. And let me explain that to you. Who did Jesus always make look good? Jesus always did what he did to direct people to the Father. Everything he did was to draw people to the Father. His whole walk here on the earth was to draw people to the Father. Every step he took, every healing he did, every person he ministered to was to do what? Lead people to the Father. Now he left. But he left us the Holy Spirit inside of us. Now we are supposed to be like who? We are every one of us supposed to be like Jesus. You're 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 supposed to be like Jesus. I mean, every person is supposed to become more like Jesus. 
That's who we're supposed to be like. It would be like Jesus multiplied. You know that old, old, old show uh, where Michael Keaton, I think it was, uh, cloned himself? Multiplicity. That's what it was. It was an old show. And he cloned himself and he kept getting worse and 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 worse. Yeah, it was bad. But that is really what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to be like Jesus cloned this many times over. That's what we're supposed to be like. Jesus 1, Jesus 2, Jesus 3, Jesus 4, Jesus 5, Jesus 6, Jesus 7, Jesus 8, Jesus 9, Jesus 10. Boy, girl, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Because we are supposed to represent who? The Father God. So, when the Holy Ghost gives me wisdom, which He does continuously, okay? Just the other day, something happened. And Dave was telling me, the guy that helped us with the building and stuff, said, you know what, I've never seen that happen, and I've tried to make it happen since I left there, and I've tried to take somebody to the city and make this happen, and I've tried to do this and make this happen, and it doesn't work. But she said, do this. But do you know what? She didn't say do that. The Holy Ghost said do that through her. And what did it make me do? It made me look good. Now, when the Holy Ghost tells you something and it makes you look good and He gives you wisdom and it makes you look good, what should you then do? Give the glory to God. So where is the cutoff at? Why are we not having the wisdom that we should have? Thank you. The cutoff is because only the humble will get the grace to get the glory. But what's happening is people are getting wisdom, but they're cutting off their wisdom because they're taking the glory upon themselves. I thought of that. I can do that. And I didn't realize it. I put two and two together with what Keith's talking about on Friday night. What, what, what can we do? Nothing. You remember he talked about Friday night? You can do nothing. You are nothing by yourself. But with God, when he gives us wisdom, the Holy Ghost inside of us gives us wisdom. What is that wisdom for? Is it just to make us as humans look good? What is the point in it? It is so that we can say, yeah, yeah, you think I'm smart? You should see who I serve. That's what makes me smart. But what happens is, as situations are going on in people's lives, they're not getting their answers because they're unwilling. Um, I forget where it's at right off, but it talks about you consume things on your own lust to satisfy your own self. So therefore, you're not getting the answers that you're asking for. So what we want to do is I want to show you a few things this morning about people that got the answers and people that didn't get the answers. And you're going to be real surprised about some things. 
because we don't need to consume things for our own benefit. The reason that we get wisdom is not so that we can get a big head and get puffed up. The reason that we get wisdom is so that we can bring more people in to see God and to see Him and to serve Him. Because if all we're doing to get wisdom is to fix our situation, then it's not achieving what it needs to achieve. Yesterday, I, didn't, I went out for just about five minutes, and uh, I came back in, and the five minutes that I went out, I saw this couple, and they were sitting in their car. And you could tell he was dropping her off at work, but you could tell there was tension in that car. You ever seen it? They're sitting there like this. What did they need? Wisdom. One word from God can change your life forever. They needed wisdom. They needed the answer of how to fix that situation. But did they need their marriage fixed just so they could be happy to serve the devil? Do you understand? And if that's all people want to do is get their money so that they can go serve the devil or get their money so that their things so that they can serve the devil or get their marriage fixed so that they can serve the devil, what's God's hurry? But if we need this wisdom in order to bring Him glory, how much wisdom is He going to bestow on you then? Generously. So let's think about a few people. What about at the very beginning? Do you know there was a situation, and I'm not going to try to read them all to you. I have them all here, but I think we'll do better off telling them, and I think you'll understand the train that we're going through. You remember the story with Cain and Abel? How many of you remember one offered a good sacrifice and one didn't? Who had devilish wisdom and who had godly wisdom? Cain had devilish wisdom. And why did Cain have devilish wisdom? Because he decided that this other sacrifice would be just as good as Abel's sacrifice. Now, what I want you to see as we go along is every one of these situations had two people involved. They were, one was just as smart as the other one. They were in the same circumstances. They were in the same environment. They were around the same things. They were probably getting the same word. They served the same God. One chose devilish wisdom and one chose godly wisdom. So what we have to understand is we have to choose. You can be sitting here side by side with somebody. And you're getting exactly the same thing. And somebody is going to choose the devilish answer and somebody is going to choose the godly answer. Now what about Joseph and his brothers? Were they not raised in the same family? Were they not of the same parents? 
Were they not getting the same word probably? Were they not serving the same God? What caused his brothers to, number one, dump him in a pit? Tell that he was going to be dead, that he was dead? Pretend like an animal killed him and take his coat back? What kind of wisdom is that? To think up a story like that. Who gives people these whole complete storylines about how we can hurt somebody? We won't have you raise your hand, but have you ever figured out a whole complete storyline how to save yourself money? Huh? Or how to cheat the IRS? Or how to take back this outfit? Or how to hoodwink somebody out of a deal? Huh? See how quiet it gets? Who gives that wisdom? You see, his brothers thought, they thought they would get rid of Joseph and they would get all the glory from their dad then. He was getting too much attention. He was getting too much of his parents' uh, time. His dad loved him more than all the others. So they had this devilish wisdom to come upon them, and they were going to get rid of the problem. Right? Now, the bad part about devilish wisdom is this. It's devilish. Right? Because the devilish wisdom does not show you the end of the situation. It only shows you the here and now. It only shows you you're going to have the money today. It only shows you it's going to fix this situation right now. It only shows you you're going to benefit here and now. What it doesn't show you, what happened to Joseph? He got sold into slavery. He became the king's what? Right-hand man. And what did he end up doing in the end? Saving his brothers and his family's life. Now, who had the godly wisdom and who had the devilish wisdom? Joseph had it. Now, if you ever can, you want to go back and undo the devilish wisdom stuff and get yourself out of a mess. That's what 1 John 1, 9 is for. Oh, God, I repent. Save me from this. Crop failure. Do you understand what I'm saying? Every person in here at some point in their life has yielded to devilish wisdom. Because it comes. And it sounds so good. He's really good at putting a plot together. And he can put you a whole scenario together in about five whole seconds. But let's look at it. Let's look at it just a minute. Devilish wisdom is jealousy and envy. So when you go to hear from God and something inside you says, okay, you're having marriage troubles. 
Okay? That couple in the car. They're having marriage troubles. What is the biggest problem in marriage troubles? Selfishness. Selfishness. You want your way, they want their way. Who's in control? Who gets the final say? Whose way are we going to do it? Nobody's wanting to give in. It's like, it's like a, a contest continuously. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's going to win this battle? 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 What does godly wisdom do? Uh, let's see here. It's pure. You're not thinking about devilish wisdom about how you can trick them into thinking you were right. Okay? You're in a marriage fight. All you're thinking about is the benefit for them. Oh, that'd solve a lot of marriage problems right there. Wouldn't it? Huh? If all you're thinking about is pure, all you're caring about is this is pure. I want what's best for her. But what about me? What about my rights? What about she, uh, she, they, uh, uh? No, pure. All you want is what's best for the other person. When you're thinking about your wisdom and you're thinking about how to fix it, just stick on that one word for five seconds. Godly wisdom is only going to give you answers in line with these things. What's pure? And peaceable. Is what you're about to tell them going to minister peace to them? How horrible they are. How they messed up. How they didn't do what you asked them to do. How that they are uh, a pain in the neck. (laughs) Is that peaceable? No. Now there's some wisdom coming to you during this time. But what is that wisdom? It's devilish wisdom. And it's telling you to tell them how horrible they are and how mean they are to you and what they didn't do for you and how you're lacking and how they don't supply your needs and how they don't supply your wants and how they don't minister to you. But the peaceable and easy to be entreated, those are the things you should be looking for. Maybe it's not your spouse. Maybe it's your boss or your sister or your aunt or your uncle or your cousin or your brother or the person that treated you, mistreated you out of your inheritance. Can you go back to them with these words? Pure and peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated and full of mercy and good fruits without hypocrisy and partiality. Now... That's what we were talking about earlier. Okay, if you ask for wisdom, how many of you said you needed some wisdom? Now, see, only about a quarter of the hands went up now. If you need wisdom, you have to be willing to get godly wisdom and not devilish wisdom. But what's happening is our flesh doesn't want the godly wisdom. Our flesh wants the devilish wisdom sometimes on how we can get back at somebody. How we can feed our selfish nature and get the things back because they mistreated us. But that's not what's going to win them. 
And our motive is to do like Jesus did. Our motive is to glorify God and to make them and other people look good so that we can bring glory to God. And if we're peaceable and loving and give love and do all these nice things for them, when they are... I had somebody the other day. Now, this is the honest truth. I was counseling with somebody. And this person was working in an area, and they said, you just don't understand. I can't do what they tell me to do. It's just too hard. They just keep stabbing me in the back and giving me more work and more work and more work. And every time I try to do it, every time there's something that comes up, they just load me with work. And I try to be nice to them, and I try to be nice to them, and they just keep stabbing me in the back. And I said, your job is to make them look good. How can I do that when they stab me in the back? That's why you do it. Well, I can't respect them if they don't respect me. Huh? That's devilish wisdom. Because the wisdom that's from God is love. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's easy to be entreated. God's wisdom says, no matter what they're doing to you, if you love them, you're going to heap coals of fire on top of their head and they're not going to be able to stop you. Godly wisdom says this is how you fix it. You go out of your way, even if they're stabbing you in the back, to love them. And what happens is, what did Joseph do? They mistreated Joseph. Did he have a right to be mad at his brothers? They put him in a pit. They, he didn't get to see his family for a long time. But you know what? If you keep your heart right, even if somebody is mistreating you, God will make sure that you succeed. And you want to know whose conscience bothered him for years? Not Joseph's. His brother's. And year after year after year after year after year, Joseph was prospering. And he was prospering. And he was getting greater and greater and greater and greater. And his brothers had to come back to him and bow their knee to him. That's what love does. You don't do it for that reason, and that's not why Joseph did it. But if you love somebody and you continue to love them even when they're mistreating you, there will come a time that God will say, enough is enough. And they will have to turn and be nice to you. But you can't put the time frame on it. Let's look at another story. Does anybody remember the story of David and he's out in the... A wild, I will say, and he's been out there for a while. And um, Nabal, it was the time of year that he was shearing his sheep and he was getting his crops in and he was doing all these things. And David and his mighty men had been encamped around all of Nabal's stuff and had kept wild animals and had kept people from stealing from him for a long time. Does anybody remember that story? Okay. So David says, You know what? We're hungry out here. Let's go. And he sent some men to approach Nabal. 
and he says, uh, we're hungry. Can you give us some of the stuff that you've killed during this time or food to eat and stuff like that? And Nabal sends back word. A lot of people have left their masters at this time. Why should I give you anything? Who are you? Who's the son of Jesse? Who are you? And he didn't give him anything. Now, what kind of wisdom is that? Devilish wisdom. Because it did not consider the end result. He did not consider what could happen to him and his household and how strong and powerful David was. All he considered was, I don't want to do this. He didn't even ask God about it. He didn't approach God about it. All he did was think about himself. But now there was somebody else. Again, there's two people right here. One got the same word as the other one. One was around him all the time. One was with him all the time, getting the same experiences night and day. It was his wife, Abigail. One chose godly wisdom. One chose devilish wisdom. Now, how is that possible that two people can be sitting side by side and one's going to choose devilish wisdom and one's going to choose godly wisdom? It depends on who you yield to. You have a choice. Will you be selfish or will you actually do what God's asking you to do? So Abigail, the, the people that served Nabal came to her and said, Look, Abigail... I'm telling you, David came and he asked for this stuff. And our master said, no, he's not giving him anything. Why should he give him anything? And Abigail says, oh, no. Mm -hmm. And she went out and she mounted her horse and she went after David and she took him all this stuff and she did all this stuff and and, uh, took it to David and said, thank you for not killing us and taking care of us and protecting us. And then she got home and her husband was drunk. Because he'd been partying. And she told him everything she did. And they had a big fight. Does anybody know the story? Is that what happened? Thank you. No, she didn't. She used godly wisdom because he was drunk. And she didn't tell him anything until the next morning. When he wasn't drunk. She told him everything that happened with David. And he was so uh, humbled by the situation. Yeah, he was. It says so. Bothered him. He didn't realize what he had done. That in ten days, he was dead. And Abigail became David's wife. Now, how can you get... From one situation to the other, living or dying. Did Nabal see the end result? David said David was ready to gather up all of his men and go in there and take everything Nabal had. And kill everybody. What about your wisdom? Sometimes it appears as though the situation that you're in If I do this, I will get the selfish answer. I will get what I want right now. Is right now the most important thing? Or is the end result the most important thing? 
Just last week, I don't know if I should tell this or not, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Always do. We were dealing with some things with the city of Branson. We were trying to get some streets vacated, you know, um, around our property and stuff there. And we didn't know this. Back in 2009, um, I can't remember who all went. I know it was Dave and I and, and somebody else. I don't remember if it was Rob or, or who it was went. Um, but um, we went to the city, and they were really wanting to do some things. And, and we just kind of took a back seat and said, you know what, because we really needed it done. Because there were a main street in the city... Uh, comes right through the front of our property the way that they did it, you know, and it's really dangerous for our kids. I mean, it's like it comes, it's called Music Country Boulevard, and it comes from here, and it comes circles down. And it, I mean, it's like, what, 10 steps from our front door. And uh, so we asked them to vacate that, and they pretty much said no. So um, we didn't argue with them. We just said Okay. Then they needed a few things from us, and we did those things. Well, some things happened, and we were able to purchase some more property and stuff. Well, time came up again that they needed some things from us this time. And um, we were at the city last week, and uh, you know what came up? We remember when y'all were here in 2009, and we weren't ready to vacate those streets. And y'all didn't argue with us. Y'all didn't give us any troubles. Y'all just said, okay. And we needed some extra easements and we needed to do some things. And y'all gave them to us in spite of that. Well, we're just going to go ahead and vacate all those streets through y'all's property now. Now, you know what? We could have, in 2009, caused a real stink because we had legal rights to. There were several reasons that we had legal rights to be able to do some things. But wisdom said, be peaceable, love, be easy to be entreated, give. Now, what happens in people's lives so many times is like what, happens to, what happened to Keith and I when the very first ministry trip we ever did. You want to know about it? Yes. Keith graduated on a Friday, I think it was, or Thursday. I can't remember when graduation was. I think it was, it seemed like a Thursday, but that very weekend or the next weekend, we went and had our very own meeting. Now, Keith and I have never waited on anybody to recognize us. We scheduled. Why we picked this place, I have no idea. We've never been back there. We've never gone since. Why we picked Terre Haute, Indiana. Have you ever even heard of the place? Never heard of it. But anyway, we rented a ballroom in Terre Haute, Indiana. Now, we were in Oklahoma in Broken Arrow, and we rented a ballroom in Terre Haute, Indiana. We had no money. We knew no one. We had no reason to go there, nothing. I mean, God. We went there, and we had a Friday night, Saturday night, no, Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night meeting. And um, we stayed. And that was our first initial time in doing any ministry. And several amazing things happened. But by the end of the meeting, we didn't have enough money to get home by the time we paid for the hotel ballroom. I mean, we didn't have gas in the car, and we didn't have enough money to get home. But there was this one minister that came up to us, and he said, You know what? My church is on your way to go back to Broken Arrow and 
tomorrow morning is Sunday morning. Would you mind stopping speak at our church? And we didn't know how big this church was. We didn't ask anything. And he said, he was tired, but he said, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. We walk in the door, and I kid you not, there was sawdust on the floor. It was, it was an add-on to their house. There was sawdust on the floor. There was wood benches that hadn't been sanded. There was no podium, and it was their family. That was our first experiences. But, and we got ready to leave after we saw it. We got in the car, and we got ready to leave, and they came and they ran us down. And they said, no, 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 wait, wait for your offering. And they gave us a $50 bill, cash. We had enough money to get home. That's how we started in the ministry. That was our first trip. But the reason that I'm telling you that is Keith was worn completely out. He had spoken, you know, some things had happened. And we were on our way home. And he was laying in the back seat and he went sound asleep. Well, they were doing some road construction. And the road construction that they were doing, it took you, instead of uh, going, I forget even what town, St. Louis maybe. We were coming through, and um, the detour that would take you over the bridge, over the Mississippi River, had a detour on it, and it sent you right through downtown St. Louis. And I was driving. And you'd have to know us. I mean, we were living in Broken Arrow at the time, but all we had done was move from Mississippi country that had uh, a crossroad, an intersection. That was the whole city (laughs) to Broken Arrow. And that was the extent of our travels. We'd never done any traveling at that time. And I was there, and I had done this loop about eight times and couldn't find the right road to get us back on the interstate for Oklahoma. And I had done it, and I had gone it, and I had gone over the bridge, and I had done it, and I had gone, and I had gone over the bridge, and I had done it, and I had gone, and and it was 5 o'clock traffic, and it was just, it was bad, you know? It was just like, and I had done it, and I had gone over the bridge. And I, I have always been super wonderful with directions. I just never would get lost. And I had done it, and I had gone, and, and we were tired, and I was tired, and I was just sobbing. I had just, and I never cry. I just, like, never cry. And I was crying. And so it woke Keith up, and he said... Phil, what's wrong? Why are you crying? What's wrong? Because I was like unusual, you know. And I said, I'm lost. And he said, you're lost, you know. He said, whatever you do, don't stop, you know. So I didn't stop. So we kept going. And uh, But my point in being is we wound up in a part of town that we shouldn't be in. We got off our path. We wound up someplace we shouldn't be because we took a detour that we shouldn't have took. Because we didn't follow the right instructions. I didn't follow the right signs. I didn't follow the right path. And I got into some things that I shouldn't have got into on those roads and places that I shouldn't have been. And that's what happens to people in their lives. They listen to the wrong wisdom. They apply the wrong wisdom in their lives. And they get themselves into situations that they shouldn't be in. They listen to the devilish wisdom instead of the godly wisdom. Because in the godly wisdom, 
there's a major, major, major thing you have to do. And most people don't want to do it. It's called put this flesh under. Because godly wisdom is never going to let you be glorified. Godly wisdom is only going to let him be glorified and the other person be loved. And as soon as we begin to see that, this church, other churches around the city, other churches around the world are going to be so filled with people because you're not going to have to tell that you're a Christian because everybody's going to know that you're a Christian because you're not going to always be looking out for your benefit. How is this deal going to benefit me? Am I going to come out of it smelling like a rose? I remember one time we were doing a business deal and the Lord dealt with Keith to give the guy 20000 extra dollars. I remember um, it's almost like every deal that we do, something odd happens. And we ha- you just have to walk in love every time. It's almost like every business deal that I have done, it's like they brag on how wonderful their things are and we just zip it and just say, sure, great, wonderful. And we come down to the closing and they don't have the money. And they have to ask for mercy. It's how you let them come out of that with respect and their head high. It's how you handle the situation. It's how you do what you are supposed to do. Do you use godly wisdom or do you treat them like a worldly nobody? They'll stay a worldly nobody. Our job is to always be lifting people up. I don't care if it's your spouse, if it's your neighbor, if it's your boss, if it's your cousin, if it's your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. Godly wisdom will always be making the other person look good and then you will always come out smelling like a rose. But the thing about it is you want your instant gratification and God mostly always brings it to you later. It may be a month, it may be a week, it may be a year. Look at Joseph's situation. Tell you another story. How many of you remember the story of Ruth and her sister-in-law? You remember that story? There were two ladies. Their husbands died. They had a mother-in-law named Naomi. One of the women named Ruth said, I'm staying with you. What kind of wisdom was that? Godly wisdom. What about the other sister-in-law? What did she say? I got to do my own thing. I got to think about me. I don't know these people. That's your God. That's your stuff. I don't want no part of it. What kind of wisdom is that? Refusing to go the direction that she was supposed to go. Because she was thinking about what? Herself. She wasn't thinking about helping Naomi. She wasn't thinking about anybody but herself. And all Ruth was thinking about was Naomi. Naomi. She gave up herself. She forgot thinking about herself. And she built Naomi up. And she helped her. 
That is godly wisdom. Now, did Ruth go through some stuff? Absolutely she did. But let me ask you a question. Do you think when Ruth was Boaz's wife and was one of the richest women around and had a new baby, she was thinking about that day she was picking up grain? I bet you she didn't think about it another day that she was having to be out there gleaning those fields. She was thinking about how glorious a life this is to be married to the richest man around. It's kind of like having a baby. How many women in here right now remember the pain you had during childbirth, how severe it was? Maybe two or three. I mean, you remember that there was pain, but you can't feel that pain right now. You understand what I'm saying? You, you go on and you live your life and things pass. But you do remember the glory that's later of how wonderful the kids are. And how wonderful the great-grandkids are, or the grandkids are, or the babies after them. And that's the way God is. You may endure some suffering putting your flesh under for a few hours or a few weeks or a few months. But God will lift you up. And that is godly wisdom. When you're looking at a situation and you're saying, Oh God, you said you'd give me wisdom. It's almost like, okay, you've seen the commercials. The devil is sitting on this shoulder. And the angel is sitting on this shoulder. And it's almost like you've got to decide, do I go this way or do I go this way? And you do have to decide. You have to choose which one you're going to do. Because a lot of times you can have instant gratification going this way. But it's worthless because it doesn't last and it doesn't satisfy you. But when you choose godly wisdom and there's going to be people around you, they're going to say, no, come this way, come this way. You're going to constantly be having people tell you, no, do it this way. Standing alone on the godly wisdom sometimes is tough because people are not used to it. But when you do, you come out shining. You come out one in a few. But you get the results that your heart desires. You get the results that so hungered for in your heart. You get the jobs that nobody else has. You get the things that nobody else has. But you don't always see them. It's like Brother Hagin used to say. God doesn't always pay up on Friday. But he always pays up. And that's godly wisdom. He will give you the desires of your heart. And he will give you the wisdom that you want. But you have to choose the godly wisdom over the devilish. So every time the greater one inside of you comes up with the answer for you. You have to choose. Is this selfish? Am I going the selfish way? Or am I going the route of peace and pure and truth? Okay, think just for a second. Close your eyes. Every person in here, you have a decision to make. 
your family, your finances, your job, your kids, what church you go to, your parents, do you put them in a nursing home, do you do this, do you do that? Think just for a second. Get your question in your mind. Now, this is how easy it is. Now, think on the answer. Is it love? Is it peace? Is it pure? Now, all of a sudden, as soon as you thought on the right answer, there was another answer that came instantly that said, but that's going to take my time. That's going to take something of me. That's going to require that I do this. That's going to require my money, my time, my efforts almost instantly. It's not going to give me the glory. It's not going to give me. And that's what the devil does. So you have to make a quality decision instantly. I'm going to go God's way. And the only way that you can do that is by staying built up in the Word, staying built up on who you serve. Choose godly wisdom. You will always come out better. You will always get the results that you're looking for. He's not going to upbraid you because you messed up. He's not going to upbraid you because you messed up the last 126 times. He's not going to tell you, you big dummy, you messed up every time I've asked I've given you any wisdom. He's not going to say, you always choose the devilish wisdom. Why are you going to ask me again? No, he's just going to give you the right answer. Because that's who he is. He's a generous, giving, loving God. Stand up on your feet. I like wisdom. Do you guys like wisdom? But we've got to be ready for either answer. We've got to be ready for the godly answer and quit being so selfish about everything that's going on. We've got to be ready to do what he tells us to do. He loves us and he wants what's best for us. But he can't give us what's best if we choose to take it into our own hands and try to get it that today, here, now. We have to put what he wants ahead of what we want. And the minute that we do that, we will get the answer that we're looking for. And sometimes it takes a little longer than our flesh likes it. But you know what? These instant microwaves and instant TV programs and instant everything that we've got, there's no instant gratification with God. You have to serve Him the way that He says serve Him. And when we do, we'll get everything that we're looking for. Can you say amen?